<laughs> Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. Big risk equals big success. This is a podcast for those crazy enough to go big in the game of life. And today, in the spirit of Halloween season, we're going to talk about facing monsters. Facing monsters in business and facing monsters in life. Now, my friend and fellow CEO coach, Barry Goldberg, shared an article about monsters in the spirit of Halloween. And he was focused on monsters externally like skeletons, vampires, Frankenstein, and the mummy. And he was talking about how those type of people in our lives have an impact on us and how we, how we work to avoid them or to be successful around them. And one of the monsters he talked about was the mummy. And, and it was my favorite in his story because he talked about the mummy as the person who wraps himself or herself up in their work schedule, usually because they're trying to achieve world domination or the next big promotion. He went on to say that this mummy character is unaware of their impact. So have you worked with somebody like that? that they're so wrapped up in themselves that they don't know how they impact others. They don't know how they impact the workplace. And they're just, well, clueless. That was the mummy. Well, for this podcast, I'm taking a different perspective on the same theme in the spirit of Halloween. And I want to discuss the monsters in your head. Yes, we deal with monsters every day. And we struggle with these monsters on a routine basis because we are human. The monsters I want to talk about are self-doubt, guilt, shame, insecurity, and even the imposter syndrome. Think about it. We're all humans and we suffer from things like self-doubt and guilt and shame and insecurity. They're all real monsters that make a dramatic appearance in your brain. And we're going to talk about not only them in specificity, but we're going to talk about how to deal with these monsters. How do we overcome these internal creatures that have an impact on how we live our lives. So if you're a person that has life all figured out and you're completely on track and everything is lovely, if that's you, that's great. You deserve it. You've earned it, right? Well, for most of us, the truth is actually the opposite. Everyone faces self-doubt. In fact, the higher you are in status, the more often these monsters make an appearance. 
leaders in organizations might think, what if I made the wrong decisions? What if I am in over my head? So since the future is always uncertain, we are predisposed to doubt our impact on future outcomes. I call it the infection of uncertainty that's both, both beautiful and scary at the same time. But here's a little secret. Self-doubt is normal. If you doubt yourself from time to time, you are normal. Nobody has a crystal ball. And the farther we look into the future, the more uncertain it becomes. We never predicted a pandemic in 2020. Now it's causing us to face change, redesign, rethinking, revision, how we're going to shift for the future. All those are gifts of pandemic 2020. So let's start with self-doubt. How do we overcome self-doubt? And to get by it, we have to avoid absolute words like always and never that tend, ironically, never to be accurate. So one way to avoid self-doubt is to speak to yourself in the third person as you would a family or friend someone you care facing difficulty. And look, I know, I know this sounds lame, but it works. Use affirmations to attack the demons in your head. And listen to mine, when I get into a crunch situation, into a challenging situation, into a difficult situation, my go-to is, hey, John, you've got this. You can do this. You've been here before. There's nothing wrong with giving ourselves positive affirmation, a little bit of self-encouragement because there's enough self-doubt to go around for everybody. Now, another monster that we all face is guilt. Feeling guilty about the past or even the present feels like an enormous burden. When the pandemic hit, when COVID-19 hit my business, I felt guilty for not being better prepared. Heck, I'm a business consultant. I should have prepared better. Yes, I felt guilt. Yet I woke every morning, headed to my office, and dealt with an awful, empty calendar. So you might be thinking similar thoughts right now. How will I take care of my family? How will I pay my bills? And if you're an achiever in life, no one is harder on you than yourself. I get it. Here's a little secret. The brutal monster, the brutal guilt monster is a fabrication of our minds. That's correct. No one can make us feel guilty. It is a ghost of our own creation. And guess what? If we create it, we can kill it. So my response to guilt is to focus on others. 
and the funny thing about our brain is that we cannot be obsessed with ourselves when we focus on others. It's, it's like a light switch that is either in the me position or on the other position. I'm either worried about myself or I'm worried about others. It's not a dial, it's a switch. And here's the thing. I discovered that when I am helping others, I no longer feel guilty about my own circumstances. So when you feel that guilt, that guilt for not being better, not being more, not being whatever, reach out and help someone. Contribute to someone. Contribute to something. And the guilt magically goes away. Maybe not permanently, but for the duration of the time you are helping someone else. And listen to psychologist John Grohl. He says, healthy or appropriate serves a purpose in trying to help redirect our moral or behavioral compass. In other words, healthy guilt. Healthy guilt is good because it helps us redirect ourselves. However, unhealthy guilt's goal is only to make us feel bad. And the more we focus on believing we need to do something more, the more it will continue to bother us and interfere with our lives. And nobody, nobody, including our friends or family members, leads perfect, guilt-free lives. So striving for perfection in any part of our lives is a powerful way to create or feed the guilt monster in our minds. We have to get to a point where we realize that sometimes done is better than perfect. So we've talked about the guilt monster. We've talked about the self-doubt monster. Now let's talk about the shame monster. Because shame monsters are slightly different. Shame can start in our minds like guilt. However, shame begins extrinsically, meaning others can shame us. So we can be ashamed of ourselves or people can shame us. And listen to Dr. David Sack. He says, shame is among the most corrosive of human emotions with the power to convince us that that little voice in our head is right after all. You know, the one that says, I knew you would fail. You never really belong. Or who would love you? So shame and guilt are twin monsters who love to hang around each other. They love to play together in your mind. And the best antidote for shame, believe it or not, is light. And Brene Brown describes shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. She said, no wonder then that the last thing we want to do when gripped by shame is talk about it. If we do, 
others may discover just how horrible we are. And the less we talk about shame, guess what? The more power it has over our lives. And Dr. Brown explains in her book, Daring Greatly, if we cultivate enough awareness about shame to name it and to speak to it, we've cut it off at, at the knees. By acknowledging shame, we refuse to let it fester or define us. She said, when we bury the story, we forever stay the subject of the story. Wow. She goes on to say, if we own the story, we get to narrate the ending. How cool is that? So just like casting out a demon during an exorcism, we can attack a shame monster by talking about it with others. And when you separate your actions from your self-worth, shame monsters are vulnerable. And it's not as hard as it sounds. We can say to ourselves, good people do bad things. Smart people do dumb things. Prepared people make mistakes. And yes, winners also fail. So you may feel disappointed when others overlook your success, but it will not feel as bad as shame. You can indeed move on. So let's talk about insecurity. Insecure people are everywhere, including the one bringing you this podcast. So yes, the monster of insecurity creeps into everyone's mind from time to time. What if no one likes this podcast? What if I'm not helping someone? Nobody is safe all the time. Confidence and insecurity are on a spectrum. This means you can go from one to another at any time in any situation. Just like delivering this podcast, I can go from confident to insecure at any point in time if I let myself. And listen to Dr. Lisa Firestone. She co-authored the book, Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. Listen to what she says. The critical inner voice is formed out of painfully lived, painful early life experiences in which we witnessed or experienced hurtful attitudes toward us or even those close to us. And as we grow up, we unconsciously adopt and integrate this pattern of destructive thoughts toward ourselves and others. So it's imprinted upon us at an early age. And we can imprint it upon ourselves, and we can certainly have destructive thoughts about others, especially people we care about. And according to Dr. Firestone, insecurity affects us in many areas of our lives. Every person will notice their inner critic being more vocal in one place or another. And you may feel pretty confident at work, but ultimately lost in your personal life or vice versa. And you may even notice that when one area improves, the other gets worse. 
At one time or another, most of us can relate to having self-sabotaging thoughts about our careers. Old feelings that we are incompetent or that will never be acknowledged or appreciated can send our insecurities through the roof. So how do we attack the insecurity monster? Well, we have to consider rational statements about how you really are. Say everyone feels this way from time to time. Say you're not broken, you are human. And if insecurity keeps you from asking someone on a date or going after a promotion, it's time to do the actions anyway. I call this going toward the resistance. Go toward your fears. And get this. Use fear as an indicator for the action you must take. Brave people are afraid, but go for it anyway. Baby steps will build your confidence. Self-compassion encourages an attitude of kindness and patience. It helps shed the insecurities of your past, and you become the person you want to be. Wow. So we've talked about insecurity. We've talked about shame. We've talked about guilt. All these monsters are real. And I saved the best for last. This monster is called the imposter syndrome. And the reason I saved it for last is it's, it's a two-headed monster. And these, this two-headed monster, these monsters battle over how you see yourself and how you think others see you. Now listen to Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. She said imposter syndrome is a pervasive feeling of self-doubt, insecurity, or fraudulence despite often overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Meaning the, the, the imposter syndrome monster has DNA from other monsters, self-doubt, insecurity, even though there's evidence to the contrary. And it strikes smart, successful individuals. It often rears its head after an especially, especially notable accomplishment. Like when you get admitted to a prestigious university, you did the work, you earned it, you got in. And now you're like, oh, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not smart enough? It rears its head when you get public acclaim, when people are bragging about you, when you win an award or even earning a promotion. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm an imposter? So I want you to hear something. Even CEOs can feel fake. I work with them. You have this fear of being discovered or unmasked. Achievers, people who achieve, can feel like they've made it thus far secretly, but soon their cover will be blown and they will be revealed as fake. <laughs> the imposter syndrome monster is revealed when playing with a Ouija board. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. But according to Dr. Valerie Young, 
It reflects a belief that you're inadequate and incompetent failure despite evidence that indicates you're skilled and quite successful. It can also take the forms, various forms, depending on your background, your personality, and your circumstances. And if you're the person feeling or waiting for those around you to find you out, it might be helpful to consider what type of imposter you are so you can problem solve accordingly. Hmm. So how do we kill this monster? How do we get rid of this imposter syndrome monster? Well, the first thing we do is ask for help when you need it. Be vulnerable when you make a mistake. And one of the best ways is to mentor others to validate your expertise. In other words, share what you know. When you share what you know, it, is, it not only helps or benefits others, but it helps heal your fraudulent feelings. Wow. Imagine that. Helping others is therapeutic for our own issues. How cool is that? So as a business coach, my job is to search for these monsters in the minds of others. And I just finished a wonderful book. If you haven't read this book, I encourage you, if you're a reader, to get this book. But this is a book about Michael Caine's wonderful life as an actor. And I love the title. The title of the book is called Blowing the Bloody Doors Off. This 85-year-old actor shares his powerful story of becoming an actor, movie star, and now a film legend. And he shares powerful stories and funny examples of these mental monsters during his career. And isn't it ironic that famous actors who pretend to be characters with normal human mental conditions suffer from the same issues. <laughs> Let that soak in a moment. You've got actors playing characters with mental issues who suffer from the very same mental issues. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you are suffering with these monsters, remember you are human. The monsters are real. They're real. We can't, we can't ignore them. However, they can be forced back under the bed or into the closet from which they came. And the best weapon for the monsters of our adulthood is the same as the monsters of our childhood. It's light. Shedding light on these monsters. And just as the daylight made things better when we were young, talking about these monsters accomplishes the same thing. So there you have it. We've talked about mental monsters that we all struggle with. And I told you this podcast is about going big. If I've helped one person, one person deal with one of these monsters, then I've accomplished my mission. We have listeners all over the world. 
We have people on every continent listening to this podcast. And if we share this with others, we help others. So if you haven't already done so, subscribe to this podcast so that you get notifications when I drop another episode. Share this on your social media so that we can help other people in the spirit of Halloween deal with the monsters in our head. And I've got to tell you that just preparing this podcast and sharing this podcast and hopefully for you listening this to this podcast gives you as much therapy as it did for me when I created it. Until next time. <laughs>